And now let's try and tune in to no good music from an undisclosed location somewhere in New Jersey. That style, playing guitar. When that comes on, you're out on the dance floor. Miami still rocks, man. Am I going to listen to this again? And it's definitely going to be a theme. (laughs) (laughs) You can't make this shit up. No. Hey everyone, this is Chris from the Presidents of the United States of America and Casper Baby Pants. And I'd like to wish the listeners of No Good Music a happy holiday. And thank you for being a loyal listener. And if you want to be even more of a listener, you could listen to my new album, which is coming out in January on the 12th. It's called Power Trip. You can learn more about that at chrisbaloo.org. Happy holidays! This is Rob and Jeremy, and we are on show 53, and this is our holiday podcast, and And our main topic, believe it or not, is the, well, it's two things, a Star Wars Christmas album, which we have yet to listen to, we're going to, we're going to take a break after this first segments and come back and uh the star wars holiday movie and i think there's a little bit of music in that too but so far i watched the just the beginning and i couldn't stop laughing so we'll see if we can get through it and we'll have information on the movie also the the um soundtrack not the soundtrack it's actually a separate album by the way but that will we're, we're going to lead up to odd Christmas albums, and then we'll take a little break, come back, and talk about, I guess, the Star Wars album and the movie then. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot to talk about. And this is the first time uh, doing like a year in review. I just want to, you know, tell new listeners, even old listeners, maybe missed a show or two, maybe you haven't listened to all of them. But I want to go through all our podcasts we did this year. And uh, January, uh, Matt and I interviewed Chris Ballou from the Presidents of the United States mm-hmm. of America. That was a good one. And uh, they were a 90s band. And uh, then we did, uh, Jeremy and I did Album Roulette, which is going to be our next one <laughs> again, <laughs> uh, where we randomly pick... Uh, three albums and then we also talk about our top albums of the year and then i interviewed a uh, chris canterbury he was a country singer february uh matt and i interviewed vinnie lopez he was in bruce springsteen's band on the first two albums 
So Vinny was on um, the song Rosalita playing drums. He's a drummer. Jeremy and I did a podcast on Buddy Holly, which I think, I think that's one of our, our best ones. And then March, I think one we can agree on that we really loved was on Brian Johnson. Yeah, for sure. I had so much fun doing that. We uh, reviewed the book, The Lives of Brian. Lives of Brian. Yep. And we're treated this week to the announcement that ACDC is touring again next yeah, year. Yeah. I tried getting uh, tickets for the Stones, but we didn't really want to sit, you know, against the back wall of MetLife Stadium for like $200, $300. It would have felt like a pebble. So we, we actually passed on the stones. We passed, <laughs> passed the stones. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're waiting for ACDC. So I, I think ACDC, even if the prices are similar, I think we just, we're, we're going to be there. Bite the bullet. Yeah. And then uh, March, uh, Matt and I interviewed a 14-year-old singer, songwriter from Florida. Uh, she has two singles out now and she's 15 now but francesca tarantino it's so hard to believe that that was that long ago Mm -hmm. we've talked about her several times yeah you and i but Mm -hmm. wow and recent news with her she is uh doing the what do you call it the the opening uh, (laughs) the national National anthem anthem. there you go for the florida I don't know teams. I don't know a lot of, but the Florida basketball team. The Miami Heat? Mm, no. <laughs> Is there another? I don't know if they have another team. Oh, Orlando Magic? Yeah, Orlando Magic. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And then we interviewed, Matt and I interviewed Brian Carney, who is Art Carney's um, son. We're going to talk a little bit about Art Carney, actually, because Art Carney is, believe it or not, in the Star Wars holiday special. Oh, that should be fun. And, um, but Brian came over. It was our first in-person interview, so that was pretty cool because I've known Brian a long time. In April, uh, now in April, we actually changed something in that Matt and I started going by our real names. <laughs> so if you listen to the older podcasts, you may notice that it wasn't even No Good Music. It was Jim and Mike Talk Music. Before that, it was Jim and Mike Talk, and I was Jim, Matt was Mike. Yeah, so we, and there is a reason, I won't go into it, that we didn't use our real names. And I've always been Jeremy. Yeah, Jeremy didn't (laughs) care what he talked about. And then uh, Matt and I interviewed, now my wife was a huge fan of Chris Clafford. He's a Swedish singer-songwriter. He was on, um, he won Swedish Idol. He was also on America's Got Talent. I think he came in sixth or seventh. So my wife was very excited, and she actually got to talk to him. So that was my first, first and only appearance of my wife on the podcast. And then we did, Matt and I did Bands That Make Us Laugh, Volume 2, which we had a little problem when we recorded uh, Volume 1 and Volume 2. We lost Volume 1 <laughs> somehow. And we only had the second part, which we made the first, and then we went back and re-recorded. Mm. Anyway, so May was Def Leppard, we, documentary Hysteria from 2001. It doesn't even feel like that was that long ago. Yeah. Jeez. And Matt and I interviewed Richard Barone, who was in a band called The Bongos. And I'm actually going to be talking about The Bongos uh, in a little bit. They have a new uh, 
they have a Christmas song. So June, Jeremy, I forced Jeremy to watch two Elvis movies, King Creole, and it happened at the World's Fair. We did not have an interview in June, it looks like. Uh, July, Matt and I interviewed Melanie. Uh, She performed at Woodstock. She was like, I don't know, 20, 22. That was a good one. And if you know the song Brand New Key, that's Melanie. That's one of our best videos on YouTube as far as the promo goes for her talking about Brand New Key. We're at 3,400 views right now on that one. Then Matt and I did Forgotten Bands. Jeremy and I did that last year. Matt did it with me this time. These are bands that were probably somewhat big in their time in the 70s, but they've been forgotten. So, And then, unfortunately, Sinead O'Connor passed away. Matt and I did a quick, quick meaning we didn't have it planned podcast on Sinead O'Connor. August, uh, Jeremy and I did History of the Music video. We also reviewed Tape Heads movie. <laughs> now, we had been doing uh, albums turning 50 and 40, and this is the first time we, I included 30, turning 30. Uh, I interviewed Kurt Ryle from the Grip Weeds. This is the third time we've interviewed him, or I have. They're a New Jersey band who I love. And then Matt and I interviewed Paul Wexler. His father was Jerry Wexler, who discovered Aretha Franklin, Led Zeppelin. Uh, so we got to talk to Paul about his father and also about Paul. Paul's a pianist, songwriter, and he also has a band. So September, a new band, Briscoe, I interviewed. Two guys, the two lead, you know, main guys from the band. And then... Jeremy and I did Kiss solo albums. That was a fun one. That was fun. And we introduced What's Rob's Beef, which I have not brought back yet. (laughs) (laughs) What's Rob's Beef? We'll have to bring that back. I haven't been that angry lately, so that's good. October, Jeremy and I interviewed Sarah Karloff. Mm -hmm. That was a good interview. Uh, We did some Halloween Stuff we did, uh, Universal Monsters in two parts. That was a lot of fun. And probably next October we'll we'll get into the the sequels or the. We got some feedback from that on my podcast as well. Oh yeah, um, people really enjoyed it. So just just so you know, I don't know if I told you that. Yeah, the Horrorcon Lounge. Uh, that's Jeremy's other podcast with uh, his girlfriend Kristen. Great podcast. You Thank gotta you. tune that one in. And we cross over. We crossed over, which would uh we did the crossed over with the Sarah Karloff interview and also the Universal Monsters. Yep. And then uh we inter- Matt and I interviewed Dave Hill. He's a comedian. He got to open for Tenacious D on six shows. And he's also opening uh I think another six shows in the UK. Nice. Which most of them are sold out for next year. And that's a pretty that's a that's a very amusing podcast. We had a lot of fun with him. And then uh, last month, we interviewed another Dave, Dave Swift. He's with Jules Holland's uh, Rhythm and Blues Band. And he was, he's a great guy. We still message back and forth. And uh, believe it or not, I got Dave Swift through Sarah Karloff because he's really good friends with Sarah. And Sarah went out there for a couple weeks, hung out with him and his six-year-old son. Mm-hmm. And Dave, I guess, showed her around for a couple weeks. Very cool. And Dave is on 
Rod Stewart's new album coming out in February, along with Jules Holland and the rest of the band. It's a swing album. But Dave has played with anyone and everyone. And I mean that. Like Smokey Robinson, Eric Clapton, I don't know, Amy Winehouse, Robert Plant. Yeah, he's he plays um, double bass, which is also stand-up bass and regular bass. Jack of all trades. Also Paul. He played with Sir Paul. We didn't even get to talk to him about Sir Paul. And then Matt and I did concerts. I think it was five concerts of a lifetime, something like that. <laughs> we've been to, I mean, Jeremy too. We Jeremy could have done it with us too, but we've been to a ton of concerts. I mean, Matt and I are a little bit older than Jeremy, so. But we'll probably do it. Maybe next year we'll do another one. Talk about some more. And not only the concert acts aspect, because I don't remember especially if it was a long time ago, I don't remember certain, you know, songs or unless I look at the song list, mm -hmm. but maybe something that happened during the show, before the show, you know, just other memories yeah. to go with it. And now we're at the holiday show, which is this one. And we will have an interview Matt and I are doing tomorrow. So those will be the two for this month. So thank you listeners for Loyal listeners for listening and new listeners. If any of those sound good to you, go back and give them a listen. We appreciate every listener. And um, so next up. And if they sound bad, go back and give them a listen anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so next we're going to do what we always do. And it's albums turning 50, 40, and 30. Does it say why you're doing that? I have a confession to make. Would you believe... That I have started watching Dancing with the Stars. No. Yeah. So Jason Mraz is on there. <clears throat> okay. And I've always thought he's. You yeah, know, I like I like his. Yeah. But I'm actually impressed because he couldn't when he started he couldn't dance very well. Mm -hmm. And he has gradually gotten better and better and better. So anyway, kind of rooting for Jason Mraz, the musician, to. Why is your come out on top? Volume so low. I don't know. Why is it so low? Am I okay? I can hear you. Why aren't you? I, I don't know. What's going on? The bar isn't even going up at all. The mic is on. I, I can... I'm on the left here. I'm up. Look at that. But I don't move any way, shape, or form on there. Can you hear me now? Oh, God. Hold on. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> I, oh, I think I'm... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see a bar. there. Yeah. At least, you, at least you realized it now before... I usually look. And we usually test, but we don't. <laughs> <clears throat> Oops. All right. Okay, so we had to stop and start because Jeremy's mic wasn't completely on, so that first part... You'll hear Jeremy, but it sounds like he's, you know, in the back of the room. He was trying to sabotage me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can move that anywhere you want. No, you're good. Okay. So we're at albums turning 50, 40, and 30. All right. And this is for January, so we are into 1974 now. We're wow. moving along. Wow. Yeah. So a little music news. Um, January 3rd, 74, Bob Dylan and the band... I guess the band was the band, began their 40-day concert tour at Chicago Stadium. And it is Dylan's first tour since 19... 
66. Okay. So he took off a good eight, eight years. years. Yeah. yeah. He was having a fam, raising a family or something. Went off the war. Yeah. <clears throat> January 17th, 74, Dino Martin. Not Dean Martin, but Dino. he is the son of Dean Martin. Oh, okay. Because he named him Dino. He's arrested on suspicion of possession and sale of two machine guns. Mm. <laughs> now we have albums. Uh, this is January 74, January 2nd. Elvis, a legendary performer, volume one. As you know, I'm a big Elvis fan, and it seems every year a new Elvis album comes out. Mm -hmm. And even back then in the 70s. Like, there's all these compilation albums. Right. I don't even know how many there are, and I have some of them. But if you were to collect every Elvis album, there's probably got to be like 200 albums. I don't know. So this uh, was issued by RCA Records. It's 14 tracks, which included 12 songs and two interviews with Elvis. Oh, I might have to get this one. <laughs> it was certified gold on January 8th, 1975, and platinum, and two times platinum on July 15th, 99. Three times platinum in 2018. So it's still selling. <laughs> <laughs> and the album opens with Elvis's first recording from 1954, That's All Right. And that started his career at Sun Records. Now we got one. I don't know the dates on these. Let's see. Next two. Linda Ronstadt, Different Drum. And this is another compilation album. And it was released by Capitol Records. Uh, half the tracks... Uh, been recorded in 1967 and 68. Uh, they're taken from her second and third albums by the Stone Ponies. That was her band before she went solo. And the other half are from her first three, her first three solo albums. This was issued 10 months prior to the November 74 release of Ronstadt's final album for Capitol, Heart Like a Will, and which became her breakthrough number one album. And, but it was after she had already signed with Asylum Records. The album reached 92 on Billboard. Then we have Gordon Lightfoot, mm. Sundown. It's his ninth studio album, released on Reprise Records. And it was the only Lightfoot album to reach number one on the pop chart in the wow. U.S. I didn't know that. And now in his native Canada, it topped the RPM 100 it's a Canadian music publication for five consecutive weeks, first hitting number one on June 22nd, 74. And the album marked the pinnacle of Lightfoot's acoustic folk country blend before he embarked on an increasing use of electric instruments. Mm -hmm. And although he did include some electric guitar, notably on the title track. So, of course, we have the song Sundown, which I think we all know, and Carefree Highway. I also like reach number 10. And if you've never heard of Gordon Lightfoot, give him a listen. Yeah. You know, it's mellow mm -hmm. music, but really good. Really Not going to well put then. you to sleep type of mellow music, though. Yeah. <clears throat> and, um, okay, so we got, now we're up to January 84. We got some music news. January 11th, BBC Radio. One DJ Mike Reed announces on air that he will not play the single Re Relax by Freddie. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Don't do it. <laughs> because of his suggestive lyrics. Uh, the BBC places a total ban on the record at about the same time. Yeah. <laughs> when are you going to come? 
I didn't or know that was about that. When I thought you it was just come. <laughs> to relax. Yeah. You know, I thought those sound effects were like waterfall or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, January 17th, the Sing Blue Silver Tour continues on to Japan and North America. Duran Duran becomes the first act to utilize live video cameras and screens in their show. They break every existing merchandise record during this tour. Wow. January 27th, Michael Jackson's scalp is burned. <laughs> Do you know about this? No. During the filming of a Pepsi commercial, and he's admitted to the hospital. Around this time, Jackson also releases the title track from his album Thriller as the LP's final single. Yeah, he had his hair, there was something with fire and his hair caught on fire. Wasn't good. Shake your body down to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stop, drop, and roll. Yeah, stop, drop, and roll. Okay, albums, 1984. And I actually have... Our listeners can't see. I feel like the Cars had an album in 84. That Maybe. was big. Oh, there we go. Oh, there we go. We got... Because um, he's just going fumbling through all these papers. <laughs> Anthrax, A Fistful of Metal. This is the debut studio album. By the American heavy metal band Anthrax. That was not who I was expecting you to start 84 with. Oh, okay. <laughs> and the album includes a cover of Alice Cooper's I'm 18. Nice. This is the band's only album to feature original frontman Neil Turbin and original bassist Dan Lilker, never to be heard from again, who were replaced by Matt Fallon and eventually by third vocalist Joey Belladonna and Frank Bello. None of them who have been heard of. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I've never heard of them. And former original guitarist Greg Walls claims that Anthrax ripped him off as he claims he wrote the material on the album. So he was... Was he fired? I don't see his name. Maybe I'm missing something here. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the... That's the cover there. Uh, it's a pretty cool looking cover. This is from the Encyclopedia of Popular Music. Colin Larkin called the cover art tasteless. That's why I have this printed out. Oh, okay. But commended the album's small but steady commercial performance. I don't see anything wrong with but, this album. It does though. not look tasteless. It's a me. guy who looks like he's punching himself in the face. Yeah. With some spikes or chains and spikes. I don't know. So edgy. Yeah. January 13th, we had The Pretenders Learning to Crawl. This is the third studio album by British-American rock band The Pretenders. It was released by Sire Records after a hiatus during the, which the band members James Honeyman Scott and Pete Farndon died of drug overdoses. And I remember that. I was a big fan of The Pretenders. And this was uh, their first album, you know, it was one where they were all on the cover. Right. And then you hear that this person dies. And then I don't know how many months later, the other guy dies from the band. The album's title of Learning the Crawl was given in honor of Chrissy Hine's then-infant daughter, Natalie Ray Hyde. Hind. She was learning the crawl at the time that Hine was trying to determine a title for the album. It was a critical and commercial success, reaching number 11 on the UK albums chart. In the United States, it peaked at number 5 on the Billboard 200, making it the band's highest-charting album in the U.S., so it was the songs Middle of the Road, Back on the Chain Gang, and My City Was Gone, and 2,000 Miles, which has become a Christmas 
So you know, "Back on the Chain Gang" is a song that I hate, but I also yeah. love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just one of those. It's very repetitive. Yeah, mellow, easygoing song, but it's just like eh, I don't know. It's not bad, mm-hmm. but it's not great. <laughs> yeah, there's not too many albums from this from January. We're talking only January. That's yeah, yeah. Uh, we had a general public album, All the Rage, and it's the debut album, English New Wave Band, General Public. And I don't, let's see. Oh, it had the song Tenderness. That was a big hit. Oh, yeah. That song was in the movies Clueless, 16 Candles, Weird Science. And also the TV show, The Goldbergs. Then we had Rockwell. Have you ever heard of Rockwell? I have. Jan- That's uh, Michael Jackson's buddy, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, January 30th, uh, Somebody's Watching Me. There you go. And it was released on Motown Records. And the title track is with Michael Jackson on vocals in the chorus, as well as the U.S. Top 40 hit, Obscene Phone Caller. I don't know that one. I don't know that either. <laughs> But now I'm going to check it out. <laughs> now, Rockwell's real name is Kennedy Gordy. He's Barry Gordy's son. Barry Ooh. Gordy had a lot to do with uh, Motown. Yep. And Kennedy Rockwell was kicked out of the house, and he went to live with uh, Barry, it says Barry's ex-wife, oh. maybe his stepmother. And then uh, he began recording the album on the Motown label. And apparently his dad was excited about the song when he found out Michael Jackson was singing on the song. <laughs> so maybe he let him back in the house. We yeah. don't know. Yeah. Now we have a kind of a, I, 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 I have to say this album because it was, it was a big album and it's Bon Jovi. Yeah. Bon Jovi's debut album was January 23rd. Is that you know? Runaway? No, New Jersey? Yeah, Runaway. Runaway. Yeah. Okay. You know, music pretty much went downhill from that point forward because <laughs> of Bon Jovi. <laughs> uh, you're funny. Okay, now we're on the 94, 1994. Yep. Music news, January 19th, Brian Adams becomes the first major Western music star to perform in Vietnam since the end of the Vietnam War. Okay, that's interesting. I've uh, seen Brian Adams. He's a very underrated musician. Mm-hmm. I didn't really care for his last album. And then we have... Okay, January 24th, you might not know who this is, but Kristen Hirsch, called Hips and Makers. Name sounds familiar. Uh, It's her debut solo album. Uh, She was the primary singer and songwriter of the band Throwing Muses. Hmm. They were from the 80s. Okay. So in contrast to Hirsch's rock-oriented work with Throwing Muses, the album is primary acoustic, with Hirsch usually playing unaccompanied. But other credited musicians include Michael Stipe of R.E.M., who sings backing vocals on the opening track, Your Ghost. And this other person, Jane Scarpatoni. I don't know who she is. On cello. <laughs> the album peaked at number seven in the U.K., and it's the highest placing of any of her offerings on her own or with Throwing Muses. And the album only peaked at 197 on the U.S. Billboard 200 albums chart. And then we have Allison Chains, Jar of Flies, January 25th. It's the third studio EP by American rock band Allison Chains, released on Columbia Records. It's the band's second acoustic EP, 
after 1992's Sap, and it was the first EP in music history to debut at number one wow. on Billboard 200 chart, with the first week's sales exceeding 141,000 copies in the U.S. That doesn't sound like a lot, but... And the self-produced record was written and recorded over the course of just one week at London Bridge Studio in Seattle. We have the tracks No Excuses, I Stay Away, and Don't Follow were released as singles. Uh, Jar of Flies was nominated for two Grammy Awards in 95. So that means it didn't win. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have Tori Amos, Under the Pink. I like Tori Amos. I saw her once. A long time ago. Okay. January 31st, that came out, the second studio album. The album debuted atop the UK albums chart at number 11 on the back of the hit single Cornflake Girl, which I know. Peaked at number 12 in the US. The album was certified platinum in the US in October 99. Sales exceeding 2 million copies. And Under the Pink was included in Blender Magazine's list of 500 CDs you must own and was voted among the greatest albums of the 1990s by Rolling Stone Magazine some years later. Hmm. So there you have it. There's our albums with their having anniversaries. And next we have some new music. I don't know if you've been listening to any new stuff, Jeremy. New Christmas stuff. Yeah? Okay. And so I never realized um, Kristen was setting up all the Christmas decorations and stuff, you know, once Thanksgiving ended, and she was playing Christmas music. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there, and I'd never heard, like, any of these songs. And I shouldn't say I've never heard them, because a lot of them were original songs that were redone by musicians of her choice so i'm sitting there and i'm listening and i'm like wait a second i do know this song but she likes a lot of country music and i'm not a big fan of country so it was like country blended with christmas which was really strange yeah but anyway so i got a a new taste of some christmas music which was ironic because i was trying to listen to different christmas were they like traditional christmas songs some of them were there was some different unique stuff and just like white christmas and and then i didn't really like you know, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas oh my God. is bad enough. She had like nine different versions of this song. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> well, I put on a playlist at work. I play Christmas music. I, I don't play it when I first get in there. I play like I have a jazz station. I listen to or mm-hmm. the Beatles. But I found a holiday station. But it's it. I figured out that it eventually loops around and starts playing the same songs. Mm. Otherwise, I have a. I have a lot of Christmas CDs, so I have my own playlist. Right. So I'd rather listen to that. And I have a lot more music in there. But it started, like, first or second song with Mariah Carey. And then a couple hours later, I hear Mariah Carey. I'm like, okay, it's done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> playlist is done. Yeah. But Mariah Carey, that song... That's got to be close to, like, a 25-year anniversary by now. I don't know if you know, but it it's... She has made $60 million oh, on that one song. I know. We talked I think about we it talked, last year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she makes like $2 million a year it's crazy. on that song. So I do have some new Christmas albums I want to talk about. But before that, I do have some new artists. And I mentioned it before. There's a playlist called The, the New Rock. And that's where I get a lot of new artists for, from. Mm-hmm. Go through these briefly. But 
if you want some, you know, interesting music to listen to, uh, we have Alex Vile, and she has a song called Kobayashi. <laughs> okay. Uh, came out in July. She's from Tacoma, and her real name is Alexandra Valen- Valenius. So she goes by Alex Vile. Her description is uh, she's turned into a four-piece modern indie grunge band. Uh, she's added Kaylin Stevens on bass, Leo Quayle on lead guitar, and Evan Hartung on drums. And it's the type of music I love. It's a female, kind of aggressive, grungy guitars backing her up, but very pleasant voice to listen to. Then we have a band called Death Lens, hmm. and it's not hardcore or anything. And a song called Vacant came out September 6th. And it reminded me only of the Sex Pistols because he sings that he's pretty vacant, and that was a Sex Pistols song. <laughs> this is an alternative punk band from East Los Angeles, and they started around 2011. But they've been a punk staple in L.A. for years, playing numerous sold-out shows around the city in Southern California. So they're doing their thing. We got Destroy Boys. (laughs) (laughs) Destroy Boys, Shadow. And I think it's um, two or three girls and a guy probably in this band. Okay. They have a couple albums out. American Punk Rock Band from Sacramento, California. They formed in 2015. In 2017, they were nominated for awards in the 25th uh, Sacramento Area Music Awards, categories New Artist, Punk Post, Punk, and Teen. Lead singer is Alexia Reditis, and she says their biggest influences vocally are Susie, Sue from Susie and the Banshees, and you can hear a little bit of that in her voice. So, And the song Shadow, I'm Breaking Down. Dexter and the Moon Rocks, Birds and the Bees, July 14th. These are singles, by the way. These are just songs. Good flowing song. Um, and the music in the beginning, it kind of, by the end of the song, kind of phases out of that. But it reminded me of The Police, Every Breath You Take. Oh. And he's a fairly new, I don't know if it's a band or a guy, Dexter and the Moon Rocks. But... They've only released singles since 2022. And that's, that's kind of the new thing. I say new, maybe it's been going on a while, is to release these independent bands. They aren't signed to recording contracts. Right. Is to go in the studio or even your home studio mm-hmm. and record one song, get it on Spotify, yep. you know, Apple Music. Well, you can also do, you know, you and I are big into like independent movies right now mm-hmm. where you, you know, contribute and you can oh, yeah. have your voice in the movie. Well, you can also have your music mm-hmm. featured in a film. Yeah. And I know, you know, Terrifier 2, there was a band who actually offered up their song or paid to have their song on there or whatever. And that movie blew up. So that band yeah. got a bunch of recognition from yeah. that. So there's different channels now to kind of get out there if you're, you know, adventurous mm-hmm. and looking. Yeah, I said Xander Goldman, my my song. <laughs> I don't know what he thought of it. <laughs> it's like it's free. Just use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this band is from I'm gonna say band. They're from Abilene, Texas. And it says they deliver a unique southern alternative fusion, lovingly dubbed Western Space Grunge by their fans. So check them out. Western Space Grunge. Yeah. All right. That's a new genre. 
makes me think of Deep Purple, that space <laughs> trucking song. It's like that they weird... aren't that um, psychedelic. Yeah. Okay, okay. And then we actually have some. There's not much in new Christmas music, um, except Cher has a. <laughs> um, I think. Let me see. This is yes, her first Christmas album. So. Do you believe in Santa Claus? No, that's not what it sounds like. Actually, her voice sounds, I think, more natural mm-hmm. on this one. No good. And it's funny because um, Jimmy Fallon has been... I, I've been watching Jimmy Fallon, like, the last couple of months, all of a sudden, like, before I go to bed. But just, like, the monologue and a little bit of the show. Mm-hmm. And he does these where they're stuck in a freezer. I don't know if you've seen those. No. One was with Mick Jagger. Okay. Jimmy opens the freezer door and it supposedly locks and Mick Jagger's in there. Okay. And it's like freezer confessions or something. So the one, the recent one was with Cher and she said that that's, that's actually not an effect she uses on her, that she can actually make her voice sound like that. Really? And then she, she does, you know, of course they're adding the effect, but mm-hmm. I thought that was funny. Hmm. So this is the 27th studio album, not wow. quite up there with Willie Nelson. <laughs> Uh, October 20th, it was released. Yeah, this is the thing. Christmas albums are, they have their time and place. Right. Christmas songs. I don't like to hear them before Thanksgiving. That's my own personal thing. Agreed. So these albums, I I don't know why, they they come out way before December. Right. And then you have to, I kind of have to hold off. And I actually wanted to listen, I I didn't listen to all of this. I don't listen to, I have to say, I only listen to probably a couple songs. Just to see what it was. Okay. But it's funny. I was um, I was in the, the beer store last week, and this couple walked in, and the girl was having a conversation with her, I guess, boyfriend about Christmas music. And it sounds like she was listening to Christmas music on their way there. Mm-hmm. And she was saying that there's only a certain amount of time you can listen to Christmas music. And the guy said, why? You can listen to it any time of the year. You know, mm-hmm. so it was weird. I was like overheard their conversation, <laughs> but uh, eavesdropping. You know, it's like the the Beach Boys. I was thinking, except for their Christmas album. You don't really. I don't know the Beach Boys in wintertime. I don't know if you want to listen to songs about surfing and. Yes, yeah. I guess unless you're in California. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I never really know. thought of it that way. I don't know. There is seasonal music, but yeah. So this is her first original material in 10 years. Okay. And like I said, first Christmas album. Uh, she plant, she announced this in 2018. However, no progress was made at the time, and she did not comment again on this album until hinting at its production in July of this year. Wow. When she announced that she was already working on material for it. Hmm. And on Twitter... It says Twitter. I, that's not Twitter anymore. Right. It's X. X. Which we're not on. I'm not on. No, me either. I got off of Twitter. Yeah. Uh, she shared that she never wanted to do a festive album, but it came out as good as any record she has made. And in an interview at Good Morning Britain in September, Cher expressed her pride over the record, saying that it is not your mother's Christmas album, <laughs> but a Cher Christmas album. Okay. Okay. Now I'm going to have to listen to this more. Maybe she swears on it or something. I don't know. So I can't even picture her swearing. <laughs> it's motherfucking Christmas. No, I can't do share. Okay. 
I'll stop that. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy's like, please. <laughs> Don't quit the day job. So there are some guest appearances. Uh, Darlene Love, Michael Buble. Oh, boy. Cindy Lauper and Stevie Wonder. All right. And Tiga, which I've heard. I don't know any Tiga. Rumor has it even Stevie can see how bad this album's going to be. I'm yeah. just kidding. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, where's our sound effect? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, that was a good one. There we go. Okay. Sorry, um, I couldn't resist. So one last thing, she shared her excitement over the fact that there are mil- millions of people on it and that she never released an album with duets. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Yeah, she, she's a little, she's getting into the eggnog. Didn't, didn't she sing with a guy named Sonny for a while? Well, yeah, that would be her partner, duet partner. Yeah. yeah. But she's never released an album with duets? Did I misunderstand? Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking too much into it. I don't know. And then we have Stax Christmas. Stax. S-T-A-X? Yes. Okay. As in Stax Records. Yeah. And these are, of course, various artists that were on uh, the Stax label. And we have 12 festive tracks featuring songs by the label's most beloved artists, including two previously unreleased tracks from Carla Thomas and Otis Redding. Oh, okay. I've heard of Otis. Yep. Says the much-respected Memphis label has had a long association with the mu- music of Christmas. Uh, house band Booker T and the MGs. Uh, a 1966 album, In the Christmas Spirit, and it's a holiday favorite. Group appeared alongside other stacks and Atlantic artists on the later label's 1968 collection, Soul Christmas. So we have a Handful of Christmas standards, Booker T and the MGs, which we just mentioned, Winter Wonderland, uh, the Rance Allen Group. I'm going to give this a list. I have to say, I didn't listen to this. You know, so much music that I well listen to, and there is a lot of stuff that comes out, which is great. On Christmas specifically, I've noticed there's a lot of albums that are various artists. Yeah. You ever notice? Like, it's it's hard almost to find... Mm-hmm. let's just say your favorite band the, or let's say the Beatles doing Christmas or something. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot easier to just find, Oh, your favorite Christmas songs. And there's 15 songs yeah. by 15 various artists. Yeah. I always thought Bruce Springsteen should do just a Christmas album. Right. You know? He's right. got a couple Christmas songs and they're all good. Yeah. That's why I have my playlist. I mean, there are whole albums on there, you know, like Frank Sinatra his, you know, and, Bruce's version of Santa Claus is coming to town is mm-hmm. one I will never get old or never get like sick of. Well, it's it was recorded live. It's spontaneous. It's, you can actually hear him laughing at one yeah, point in yeah, the song. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He asked if Santa's going to bring Clarence a new saxophone. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so we have we also have the a lot of these bands I've never heard of the temp Tempries. Uh, the Christmas song. Uh, the majority of the songs are Stax originals, including the Staple Sisters. Who took the Mary out of Christmas? Hmm. We're going to have to look into that. The Emotions. What do the lonely do at Christmas? <laughs> Same thing they do every other day. <laughs> they cry into their eggnog, I would think. But yeah. um, Albert King. Santa Claus wants some lovin'. <laughs> All right. Okay, now we're getting into... Oh, and Isaac Hayes. Oh, yeah. Is that... The Mistletoe and Me. Is that Chef? 
<laughs> yeah, I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was on the uh, Mr. Hankey's Christmas, Isaac Hayes. Yeah. And then Rufus Thomas, he turns up the naughtiness. Ooh, quoting. It's quoting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll be your Santa baby. All right. But is in a sweeter vein when teaming with his daughter, Carla Thomas, for it. That makes Christmas Day. So. Okay. There's a couple of unreleased tracks. Carla Thomas, Blue Christmas. I mean, we've heard that a lot. That's one song, I have to say, I do like Sheryl Crow's. Sheryl Crow has a Christmas album. Every other person has a Christmas album. And then some people are like, why don't they have a Christmas album? Right. Like Taylor Swift has a couple Christmas songs. Mm -hmm. But I love Christmas Tree Farm. That's like one of my Mm -hmm. favorites. Yeah, forget the other song. There's another song I just listened to the other day. I've been doing a couple of videos of favorite Christmas albums. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned if Taylor Swift came out with a full on Christmas album and she had a really good original song, I think she'd knock Mariah Carey or she'd give her a good run for her money. For sure. Although that song's been around a long time. So, yeah. Take a while to get up to Mariah Carey, but. I would I would buy it, you know, Taylor Swift album. So Well and you know, the funny thing about Christmas, you had something as goofy as the Chipmunks Christmas song, right? Mm-hmm. You had the Charlie Brown Christmas song is iconic. But something as stupid as Grandma Got Run Over by a uh, Reindeer yeah. was like a one off, but that made a ton of money because it was just silly. Yeah, I don't I don't ever want to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what you may think of it, it yeah. made a lot of money. So this Stax album is available on CD, vinyl, uh, of course, digital. And then they did have this in their, they have a website on white vinyl and it sold out, mm. which is a good thing. Yeah. I mean, that, that, you know, when you sell out, I mean, I don't know how many albums they did. Maybe they only made many. five. No, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and here's a little oddity is Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon, who I love and who has done many he can sing, you know, he can, he can mimic people over the last couple of years. He's done Christmas song. He did. I found one with Dolly Parton, I think from last year. Oh, nice. So the new one is with Megan Trainer. She's one of the newer artists and it's called wrap me up. But the odd thing is that Jimmy Fallon was on Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, okay. So here you have one talk show host on another talk show, but not, for an interview, but to sing and perform his song with Megan Trainer. Right. This was this just this week. Yeah, I have here last last year he did a song with Dolly Parton called Almost Too Early for Christmas. And then there's a weird one. I don't know if it was it might have been last year too. But it was with Ariana Grande and Megan the Stallion. <laughs> and there's a video and it's called it's kind of hokey. It was a masked Christmas, and they're talking about getting a booster. And <laughs> I think that's kind of a throwaway Christmas song because I don't think we're going to want to listen to that. Right. You know? Right. So, last but least, um, like I said, when we did uh, talking about the year in review, we got the chance to interview Richard Barone. Richard Barone. Uh, was in a band called the Bongos. They're from New Jersey. They were semi-big in the 80s, but they have not recorded since the 80s, right? hmm They have a new Christmas song. Nice. 
Now, I contacted Richard, and he actually recorded something for us, telling us about the new song. Okay. And he also gave us permission to play the entire song. Nice. So, we're going to first play Richard talking about the song, and then we'll just go right into the song. And the song is called Rock the Christmas Cheer. So, we're going to do that right now. So, here's Richard Barone telling us about the song. And we'll be back after the song ends. Yeah, with Rock the Christmas Cheer, um, I was really thinking of 50s rock and roll and Buddy Holly. I've been thinking a lot about Bo Diddley and the guitar playing of Eddie Cochran. And I wrote this song really with them in mind, like what they would have, maybe if they would have written a Christmas song at that time, what it would have sounded like. And the Bongos always loved Buddy Holly, especially. And as a guitar player, Eddie Cochran is one of my favorites. So it just came together as a as sort of a new take on, on those guys, in a way. When it came to the lyrics, I definitely wanted to do something that was non-denominational, a Christmas song that was really about the end of the year leading to the new year. Even when things are their bleakest and coldest and darkest, that there's something better just, just ahead. So it's like a, a, hope, a song of hope and positivity at a time when I think we need it. It's alright, it's alright Light the Christmas tree and watch it 
So I saw something interesting the other day. This is random to drop it now, but I don't know when else to mention it. Okay. You know the 12 days of Christmas? Oh, no way. We have to say that we came back. Oh. We're back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope you like that new song by the Bongos. So random Christmas fact, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. You know the song, The 12 Days of Christmas? Yes. Did you ever notice how many days birds are being given as a gift? Oh, yeah. Geese and partridges. There's and... like swans. There's Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never, like, I think women are probably sick of getting birds Yeah, when that song is all said There's and done. no mention of wine or alcohol. Or no, there's nothing cookies. good. No, they're getting turtles and, or <laughs> turtle doves, not turtles. Yeah, that's a bird too. Turtle <laughs> yeah. dove. Yeah. Hmm. Partridge in a pear tree. Yeah, I really didn't, uh. Swans swimming, geese laying, like, yeah. Maids of milking. Like, <clears throat> what's that? Maids of milking. I don't know. What are that, they milking? That doesn't sound like a good gift either. <laughs> Cats, right, you know? right. Like, remember Meet the Fockers? Yeah, yeah. You can milk a cat. You yeah. can milk anything if it's yeah. got nipples. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So now we're going to get into odd Christmas albums. Hey, we're going to y- continue the Christmas cheer. And by the way, we Jeremy and I are. I don't know if we mentioned it, but we didn't. We're drinking one of my favorite beers, Celebration mm-hmm. Fresh Hop IPA. It's by Sierra Nevada. Sierra Nevada is, I should know this, where it's from, Colorado. I was yeah. going to say, I think it's like out west, Arizona, Colorado, one of North those. Carolina. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. So it's, um, it says Chico, California, and Mills River, North Carolina. Okay. Oh, two distribution center but this beer has been around for a while and it's it is a seasonal beer so you'll see it around this time of year probably into january another one is mad elf i don't know if i've had that yeah really and that's pretty potent i think that's local to us but we want to be somewhat functional (laughs) functioning for the podcast you know something odd as we're talking about oddball beers I don't know if you saw on Facebook, I posted this the other day, but Kristen made me watch that show, Beat Shazam. Have yeah. you ever watched that? I think I, I've probably seen one of them. It was so much fun. It's with Jamie Foxx, right? I think so. I don't remember who the host was. You know, when you told me that, I was looking for it. So I don't know if you were watching it on demand. Oh, she was or... streaming it somewhere. I don't, oh, okay. I don't know where, but yeah, we, I mean, we had a funny moment. <laughs> I was doing pretty well with, like, all the classic rock and, you know, hits of the 70s. Is that where they play a, a part of a song? Yep. Or? yep. Is and, there, yeah. there's a guy on a piano, right, or something? Or No. Um, no? There's a DJ that just plays a song, oh, and then okay. you got to kind of lock in your, yeah. okay. your song choice. But there was, mm-hmm. there was one point where it was Nicki Minaj songs. I'm like, oh, I'll be terrible at this. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was so funny because I don't even remember. Kristen's like, oh, my God, it's on the floor or something. And I was like... Oh, see, that's how much I know. Like, I would have thought this was Star Troopers or Starship Troopers. Yeah. What the heck? Starship. Yeah, something like it's that. It's like Starship or something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> and sure enough, the answer was actually yeah. Starship. Like, I was just guessing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was totally just guessing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But she was so confident, too. She's like, oh, I didn't think I'd know any of these. <laughs> yeah. I saw an interesting one on a... Again, Jimmy Fallon had Kelly Clarkson on, mm-hmm. and he likes to do game, different game stuff, but it was songs, but they were played backwards. Oh. Yeah. 
And, Interesting. And he was getting them. And she got a couple, but... That would but be hard. I actually got a couple because you... It, it's weird how your brain works. Right. But even though it's backwards, you can kind of you can kind of piece it figure together. Figure it out. Yeah. 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 Interesting. <laughs> One was Ed Sheeran, shape of, you know, shape of you. <laughs> nice. So these albums are, I say, odd. One of these in here, I like. I got this list. Where did I get this list? I don't even know. One of these albums, I actually enjoyed, and I don't think it's odd. But it, it was in this odd list. Mm-hmm. But the first one, and if you have any, you know, if you're any kids out there, you might want to. This is explicit, our podcast. <laughs> and you'll know by the time. I sent Jeremy. I sent you this list. Yes, you did. Did you listen to any of them? I listened to a few okay. of them. Yep. Christmas at Luke's Sex Shop. Yep. It's from 1993. And it's Luther Campbell. And he was the head of two live crew if uh, people remember them they were a very raunchy band in the 80s like mid 80s the first release as luke was 1993's in the nude <laughs> followed by an x-rated christmas album which this is not that one and a greatest hits lp before the project signed a contract with island for 1997's changing the game so that was after this one I don't know why we have all this, but um, just a little history here on on uh, our our buddy Luther. 2006, he announced that he was retiring from hip hop. And what do you think he was doing, Jeremy? What he didn't really retire, but he went into something else. Porn. You're close. Okay. He launched an adult video company. Okay. So anyway, this album I have to say is very amusing. <laughs> I don't know if I listen to it again. We have. <laughs> We have the <laughs> kids, the ho ho hos. Yeah. Okay. Now, this is listed as Poison Clan and the two, uh, new two live crew. And this song is really raunchy. And don't be blasting this at the office Christmas party I have here. <laughs> We've got N words, very descriptive lyrics about getting down for Christmas. NSFW, right? Not safe for work. Yeah, not safe <clears throat> that's, for work. That's the hashtag nowadays. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so we've got, and then Live Christmas, and it starts with a night. Some of these songs take from other songs, which I would assume they got permission, but right. who knows. Right. A night before Christmas, before it goes into a full rap about Miami clubs. And it did kind of remind me of Christmas in Hollis, which is Run DMC, but, and that, I love that song. That's not, you know, raunchy at all. Right. And he starts out talking about Santa and the L's. Uh, Santa jumps in his sleigh and goes down to Miami to a strip club. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the lyrics. He, <laughs> he, he grabs a hoe and started singing. And then they go into a dirty version of Jingle Bells. And then back into Twas the Night Before Christmas a little bit. <laughs> so there you go. We got Christmas Freestyle. I don't have any info on that. Jesus is Black. Oh, yeah. Christmas Spliff. Yes. Where are they at? Where are they at? Where are the Christmas Spliffs at? <laughs> that's pretty much the song. And that's by Poison Clan. I don't know who he's like. Then we got Christmas... <laughs> Christmas Fucking Day. Yeah. By Jiggy G. All right. Now, this is a girl rap artist. Right. Female. And she's still around, by the way, Jeremy. Yeah. Did she go into porn? 
I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have here, I figure she became a role model for Cardi B. <laughs> Quite the opposite of what I just suggested. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's a little shocking hearing a girl sing these lyrics. And we're just mentioning this album because it, it's, it's, if you don't know about it. It's funny. Yeah, it's it's like the Larry the Cable Guy Christmas. You're gonna listen to it, and like if you're used to Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, you you may not want to listen. This isn't for you. (laughs) This is more like the Twisted Radio. What is it? The the Twisted Christmas. Yeah, Yeah. Bob Rivers and whatever it is. But oh yeah, it's more along that. You're right. I think it's Bob Rivers. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, but this is really really X-rated. Yeah. Larry the Cable Guy. I'm surprised it's on carols. Apple Music, but... Uh, yeah, I was actually surprised, too. Cause... But there's a lot of stuff on Apple that is shocking. So. Yeah, I mean, there's probably way worse on there that we just don't yeah. realize it. So the next one is Shatner Claus. Mm-hmm. William Shatner. And I was surprised this is, uh, this is new. This is really... This is 2018. Very So new. it's not, you know, that old. Right. This album I found very amusing, too. He's got 13 songs on here. It It's what you think it is, because William Shatner can't sing. Right. But he exaggerates the, the, <laughs> the words. I was surprised to see it. Henry Rollins, I think, is on a couple songs. No, maybe he's on one. There's a bonus track on here. Well, he's on Jingle, let's see, Jingle Bells. Uh, we got Blue Christmas, Brad Paisley, Little Drummer Boy, Winter Wonderland, Todd Rundgren, who, by the way, is not singing, but... I heard playing guitar. Yeah. And Artemis Pyle. Oh. Is on drums on... <laughs> Our buddy. Yeah. Winter Wonderland. Um, Twas the Night Before Christmas, which is really not as... That's perfect for William Shatner. Right. Uh, Run, Rudolph, Run. Elliot Easton from The Cars. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel featuring Rick Wakeman. Then we have Silver Bells featuring Ian Anderson from... Jethro Tull. So I have a fun fact about them. Mm-hmm. Their last album that they released mm-hmm. was a Christmas album, 2003. Oh, okay. That was on my... That should be on here. That was on my list of... <laughs> yeah. You can hear um, Ian Anderson's flute on this. Mm-hmm. And this song is actually not that bad, I have to say. Silver Bells. One for you, one for me. Very odd song. Uh, William Shatner's talking about coming home like he's in the army or something and they're talking about dead soldiers you got backup singers and he's he's repeating what they're saying it's a very odd song i don't even know where that song came from and we got rudolph the red-nosed reindeer featured billy gibbons from zz top i listened to this song and i'm like it doesn't really sound like him yeah then we got silent night iggy pop white christmas with judy collins and this one Oh my God! I was sitting in the sitting in the pharmacy at the drive-through for the pharmacy, and this came on. <laughs> <laughs> and Feliz Navidad, and I don't know who Danny Bender is, but this is the most hilarious of the songs. And I said, "Don't uh, listen to this while operating heavy machinery or driving," because <laughs> his enunciations on this are freaking legendary. Nice. So if if you're gonna listen to one, Feliz Navidad, William Shatner. I mean. Come on. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so our next album is Bonanza. Now, I didn't listen to much of this. Christmas on the Ponderosa. And Bonanza was a pretty um, popular show. It was one of the TV's longest-running Western series. The one, I don't have the song here, but it was something about Santa getting stuck in the chimney. (laughs) 
But Lauren Green, you got on here, Michael Landon, all the people from Bonanza. It's kind of, that's obviously an odd one. And I don't know if many, you know, the next two, like this one and the next one are from TV shows. If you think about it, they didn't do, Seinfeld didn't do a Christmas album and, right. you know, Friends didn't Friends, do it. yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe this was a thing, you know, I know the Brady Bunch did an album, Partridge Family probably, and Ponderosa was, or um, Bonanza was, I want to say 70s. But then you have Allie McBeal, mm. which I did watch, very Allie Christmas. This is from 2000. And it's the least odd album on the list. <laughs> okay. First of all, Von the Shepherd, she's on eight of the 14 songs. And she was uh, a regular on the show. She, there was a bar that they would go to. I don't know if it was a restaurant bar. And supposedly when Allie McBeal would sing, it was her voice that she was, you know, they were using. And Von, the, I don't know if they ever mentioned her name on the show, but she actually played herself on the show. And they never had any storylines for her. She was just at this club. Right. So she's actually a really good singer. So that's the thing. Some of these odd albums are, are just people that can't really sing. And <laughs> hey, let's do a Christmas album, you know. Um, and then a lot of the people from the show are on this album, like Callista Flockhart. She does Santa Baby. And she actually doesn't sound that bad. bad. Jane Krakowski, Run Rudolph Run. And then Santa Got Stuck in the Chimney by Lisa Nicole Carson. She played Renee. Robert Downey Jr., though, is on two songs on this album. I don't know if you listened to this one. I didn't. Um, he sings Joni Mitchell's The Riv uh, River, which I, that's one of the songs I just love, and Winter Wonderland with Vonda Shepard. Macy Gray is on this singing. Mm. Um, let's see. She tried to say goodbye, but she choked. <laughs> Nice. I have Winter Wonderland. I don't know if she sings that or something else. But. So I found this album to be actually a good album. Then we have a, a really weird one is Christopher Lee, the actor who played Dracula. Yep. <laughs> uh, also Bond villain. Also Lord of the Rings. And he was in Star Wars. A Heavy Metal Christmas. Yep. I don't know who the musicians are. I didn't have a chance to look into it. But it's just two songs. Little Drummer Boy and Silent Night. Yeah. And he, I think he sounds like Iggy Pop, you know, <laughs> he's got a deep voice and he was 90, it says here 90 years old when he recorded this. That's, that was impressive to yeah. me. Yeah. And then we got Christmas Eve with Colonel Sanders. <laughs> and this album is nowhere to be found. Now the, this is not the, let's see, there were three consecutive Christmas albums starting in 1967. And the album was offered at his restaurant chain, KFC. <laughs> nice. Yeah. They were a compilation of popular artists at the time. The Colonel does not sing. But the one cover I found, he's, you know, it's like, he looks like he's sleeping or something. May had too much Too much chicken. chicken. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that grease only gets to you. We could not listen to this one. I was not searching to buy this album. No. <laughs> Next we have... Now, I, I love the Three Stages. Mm -hmm. I always have. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is the, this came out in 1960. We have Larry Moe and... Um, Finch? Finch? No, I think it's Curly Joe. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, can you name all the Three Stages? 
Larry Moe, Curly Joe. It's what is? It? It's not Fitch. It's like <laughs> he's got a weird name. Zit, Zitch, Zilt, Zit, Shemp, Shemp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there was there was Moe, Larry, Curly, the original, Curly Joe. Uh huh. And there was Shemp, and there was just Joe. Okay. There were, there were three like Curlies. Oh, nice. Yeah. Because Curly, the original Curly, died young. Right. And then Shemp took over. Shemp died in his 50s, I think. And then they brought in, um, they brought in Joe Dorita. And I forget the other Joe now. Joe Besser. Yeah. And Joe Besser was a comedian uh, to begin with. So, anyway. <laughs> I think on this one, it's, I want to say it. I don't know if it's Curly. I don't know if it's Joe Besser or Dorita. So okay, I have here. If you're looking for traditional Christmas songs like Silent Night or Little Drummer Boy, this album is not for you. <laughs> we have Down Through the House Top. You know, there was a another Christmas song um, up. I think it was Up on the House Top. Mm-hmm. But this is where Santa falls through the roof. Mm. Now this this song is about not having a chimney, and this song is I think great because. When I was a little kid, we we didn't have a fireplace. Right. And our chimney, we did have a chimney. It wasn't very big or wide. And it went down through the closet in the bathroom <laughs> and down into the basement. But in my mind, I my bedroom was across from the bathroom. And I imagined Santa coming out of the bathroom, <laughs> you know, right across the hall. Well, as Tim Allen showed us in the Santa Claus... <laughs> A chimney will appear as Santa goes down oh, through the through it the it chimney. It form. Yeah, it just yeah. it magically kind of forms there. Oh, okay. Yeah, conveniently for you know that's the magic oh. of Santa. Oh yeah, yeah. So I like like that song. Um, let's see. I think it's a fun album. The first track is "We're Coming to Your House." Did you listen to any of this? Yes. <laughs> uh, I listened to most of these, and I was getting a kick out of it. To be honest yeah. with you. It's it's very like if you like the Stooges, you'll like this album. Because because you know? I don't like your typical Christmas songs. Yeah, I like you know the funny stuff, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's what this was. Yeah, so they're basically coming to your house and uninvited. Um, <laughs> and there's a mention of Larry playing his violin, and then the toy store I actually like. They're they're in this toy store. Curly Joe, he's obsessed with this toy train. I think Mo says you can't, someone says you can't ride it. It's a toy. And they nearly get kicked out of the store. And this isn't a song, by the way. It's, it's, I mean, I think they do sing a little bit in it. But the store manager recognizes them. And at the end of this, this, they, they do still another song. The old song, He's a Jolly Good Fellow. They start talking about, um, it's fun to go to the toy store. It's fun to go to the toy store. I have here, when you get a, someone puts out a, you know, just a regular album, not a Christmas album, and and there's a Christmas song on it or something. I also don't like when there's a Christmas album and there's songs that have nothing to do with Christmas. I agree with that. So there's two on here. It's At the Circus, part one and part two. And they go and they try and join the circus which they eventually, I don't know, somehow the guy thinks they're funny. And part two, by part two, Curly Joe, somehow, just like with the toy train, he's 
kind of immersed in the the trapeze or right. climbing up there and pretty soon there's a tiger i mean it's kind of amusing but it's not a christmas thing the tiger there's a tiger on the loose <laughs> and curly joe <laughs> jumps did you listen to this song jumps down and knocks the tiger out i don't remember this one no. <laughs> okay he he jumps on the tiger, it sounds like. You know, he's pretty big. Mm -hmm. And then they drag the tiger back into the cage, and then Ringleader announces the Three Stooges, how they save everybody. I don't know, they become heroes. He becomes Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yeah. There's a couple songs that are novelty, songs that we've heard before. All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. That's probably one of the earliest Christmas songs I remember as a little kid. I don't know what it was on or who was singing it. I think it was the Chipmunks. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And then I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas. I hate that song. I didn't hear this till later on when I think I became, like, I was in my 20s. And I never understood the song. That's the biggest thing. And it was originally s sung by, I don't know if it was a little girl, but it was a girl yeah, singing girl. it. It is a little girl. Yeah. So the Stooges do that one. Probably my favorite is I Got a Cold for Christmas, <laughs> which I think, I don't know who wrote it, but it's pretty original. I mean, this is 1960s, not original anymore, but right. I've never heard that song before. Yeah. Now, a lot of these songs are short. The last one is a minute and 12, right? Yep. And the whole album is 21 minutes. Right. So if you take out those circus songs, you're probably at 15 minutes on this one. <laughs> a lot of Christmas songs yeah. are short, or a lot of Christmas albums are short, yeah. I feel. So we're going to take a little break, and we still we have one more odd album, which is pretty much our main is Christmas in the Stars uh -huh. and we also have the Chris, the Star Wars Holiday Special which Jeremy and I are going to watch. We have not watched so when we come back we're going to talk a little bit about each and then we're going to wrap it up. You know so. we made it this far somehow we didn't talk about Hall and Oates. Oh yeah. Fighting each other. <laughs> yeah we, we haven't done music like actual news in a while. Yeah. That was big this week. Like, that's a, my mom's a huge Hall and Oates fan. I know. And I you know. had sent it to me and yeah. I had seen it. Yeah. But it was funny because I forgot to send it to her. Okay. I meant to do that. And I was over there for Thanksgiving and somebody, somebody had posted it on her wall and she happened to, she's like, what the hell? Yeah. Daryl Hall is pressing charges against John Oates. And yeah. it's like, <laughs> it's, you know, just a funny conversation of what mm. is going on. So yeah. there's something else. They had they had another business venture, but they didn't go into what it was. Yeah, it's so that sounds like what started it. It sounds very hush yeah. hush right now. I'm curious to see. But who owns? Does Daryl Hall actually own? Did he write? See, I don't know enough about them. Right. See, we think of them as Simon and Garfunkel, kind of. Mm -hmm. And but did John Oates not really write the lyrics? Did he not really write? I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Or did Daryl Hall just put his name, John Oates, on there? Who knows? Right. But be yeah, interesting. that's an interesting one. Yeah, I'm curious to see how that Because John Oates out. was touring and had to, I think, cancel shows. Yeah. Which sucks. Yep. I mean, what other songs is he going to do? I don't know. <laughs> he could do a Christmas album yeah. for next year. Yeah. Yeah. Get there on you go. It. Yes. Cher needs a duet partner. <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to take a break now, and uh, when we come back, we'll be talking uh, some Star Wars stuff. So, sounds good. Holiday stuff. 
might like this. It's one of those, uh, it's a real, it's kind of hard to explain. It's a, uh, wow. Do you know what I mean? Happy life, Dave. I do mean happy life, Dave. Everybody, we are back, and wow, wow! I don't know what to say. We watched the uh, Star Wars holiday. Yeah, we'll never get that ninety minutes back. (laughs) (laughs) This movie is not available, you know, on DVD. Of course, I want my money back (laughs) if I bought it. But uh, so we had to watch it. We watched it on a TV, regular TV, but well, we chose through YouTube. To. We weren't we weren't tortured in it or anything. We tortured ourselves by watching it. But yeah, and this actually said good copy or something, but <laughs> it was pretty bad. First of all, this was not any kind of holiday other than something that they called a what was it a life life day life day. That was kind of the theme, but <laughs> I just thought I'm at a loss for words. <sighs> so this aired November 17th, 1978. This came out after the first movie, A New Hope, and before an Empire, The Empire Strikes Back. And I think they were already starting to, they might have already had the second one done. They couldn't have been working on it because the original cast is in this special right. somehow. Now this, With special guest appearances. <laughs> so we have, yeah, we have special guests. We have B. Arthur <laughs> from the Golden Girls and Maud, And Art Carney. Art Carney, I thought, was the best um, out of the whole thing. You know, I think he, tri- he tried. He really tried. Coming <laughs> off, um, I don't know when he won an Oscar. I think it was four years before that or something. It definitely wasn't for this performance. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm friends, when I mentioned earlier, with Brian Carney, his son, and I asked him if he saw this, and he said, I think he said, unfortunately, I have. <laughs> and he thinks his dad just, you know, took it because it was the paycheck. Right. You know. Yeah. One of those things. So we ha- we do have Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, C-3PO, Chewbacca, Peter Mayhew. Now, James Earl Jones, most interesting is, this is the first time they... He was not credited in the first movie. Right. And this is the first time he was credited right. <laughs> as Darth Vader. Like I said, Art Carney. We got Diane Carroll, who was in some weird pornographic <laughs> scene with Scratchy, Itchy. 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 Sorry, <laughs> which is Chewbacca's, I think it's his grandfather. Uh, father. I don't know. Father, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, think it's, it's his father. father. Art Carney's character, Trader Son Dan, puts in this, sits him in this chair and puts in this like cassette or something. And this woman's trying to come on though. I am in your mind as you create me. Oh, yes. I can feel my creation. <laughs> I'm getting your message. Are you getting mine? Oh. We are excited, aren't we? Now I thought this was a I thought this was a kids special. 
But let's go to the beginning is Chewbacca's family. And we must not have gotten the disclaimer that we were supposed to like take LSD before we watched this. I know. Or, you know, something. This actually gave me a headache um, with all <laughs> the weird noises in it. Noises. And, and the, the, the Wookiee sounds. various like flashing lights and blinking yeah and just uh, loud noises yeah i don't even know the premise except this life day they were celebration and they were chewbacca's trying to get home he's with han solo they encounter some you know rebel force or whatever and and then these stormtroopers and come to the cottage yeah like tree house <laughs> <laughs> where Chewbacca's family lives. They're searching it. I don't know what they're searching it for. At one point, the little mini Chewbacca thing. I don't know his name. Lumpy. Lumpy. He's walking on the banister. He looks down and oh, there's yeah. like a thousand feet drop. I saw him looking outside I'm, I'm, I see him go out. I'm like, he's going to jump. And he gets up on the banister. And he just randomly starts walking across the banister. Yeah, there's some weird... Yeah, so the first 10-15 minutes is just you know, Wookie. There's not. There's noises. not a single word. <laughs> you, but you do kind of get the feeling they're waiting for Chewbacca to come home. But it didn't have to be that long. Oh my god! This whole thing didn't have to be that. Long. It was an hour and thirty, forty minutes. I don't know. And uh, Carrie Fisher's in it, of course. She's only in it a couple scenes, and then she sings at the end. But nothing holiday, Christmas. There's nothing to do with this. Uh, <laughs> now, oh, Harvey Corman was also in it, of course, from the Carl Burnett show. And we had... Was he the cook who had three arms? Yeah, and then he was... Oh, and then he was the instructor, which I couldn't understand. There was a scene with uh, Lumpy. He got this new gadget. Oh, uh, yeah, where it kept stuttering like crazy. Yeah, and he's trying to show him how... how I don't even... But we never figured out what it was, some right. transmitter or something. Yeah, I don't know. They just I, threw this stuff in there. Now, Lumpy was actually played by a woman. Her name's Patty Maloney. Okay. And she's three foot one. She was in other stuff. I don't have a list here, but... Lumpy looked taller than three foot one, so that must have been That's one what big costume. Yeah. They also had footage from, it looked like, the first movie, I guess. I just don't know how George Lucas... I think he was a little busy at the time. Oh, and the R2-D2 was not, there was not a person in there, like Kenny Baker. And it says the droid was performed entirely by a radio-controlled unit operated by Mick Garris, which was George Lucas's receptionist. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this movie was bad. So. It, was, it felt like they had six 15 or 20 minute scenes and just stuck them in a movie and went with it because every scene felt so long and didn't seem to correlate to the next scene to me in any way shape or form <laughs> it's just like here's a weird scene here's a weird scene here's another weird scene <laughs> and then, the end <laughs> <laughs> now the one wookie mala I think that was Chewbacca's wife. wife. Yeah. 
Now, interesting enough, uh, her mask was repurposed from a original Chewbacca mask. Okay. From the original film. Their names were short. I'm going to, not that anyone cares, but Mala was, is really Mala Tobuk. Okay. Itchy is Atichikuk. Okay. And Lumpy is Lumpa Warump or Lumpa Waru. Okay. That's his full name. Okay. So he was like, his lip came up higher than his nose. <laughs> it was so interesting. <laughs> so he was always angry. <laughs> oh yeah, he he was evil. <laughs> and because they didn't speak, you know, English or they just grunted. I mean, <clears throat> looked like he was going to rip little Lumpy's arm off. Yep. You know. Yep. While outlining the original Star Wars mm-hmm. and planning its potential sequels, George Lucas actually imagined a film just about Wookiees. Nothing uh. else. But I don't think he imagined this. <sighs> so according to Charles Lippincott, he was the head of marketing of the Star Wars Corporation. CBS brought the idea of doing a TV special to him and Lucas. Although there's some internal dispute about this claim... According to J.W. Rinsler, everybody agreed that a television special was a good idea. So some people are disputing that they agreed to that. Uh, George Lucas was busy moving his production company to a new location, which was not heavily involved in the special, obviously. It did start out to be a lot better with a different script. Said we had half a dozen meetings with the TV company that was making it. In the end, because of work on promoting Star Wars and working on the next film, we realized we had no time. So we just left it to them and just had the occasional meetings with them, provided, provided them with access to props and the actors. And that mm-hmm. was it. Mm-hmm. Though Lucas is uncredited, it was his idea to build the narrative around Chewbacca's family. CBS hired experienced variety show writers and producers, including writer Bruce Valanche who was concerned about the decision to center the special on a species who grunt in a fictional language without subtitles. And it says here Stan Winston was hired to design the Wookiee family. Mm. I don't know if that's true or not. So this was broadcast, believe it or not, only once. (laughs) I believe it. It was the week before Thanksgiving, and it was on CBS from 8 to 10 p.m. Yeah. Preempting Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk. I was going to say. Which we heard in the beginning of this. Because of the following special program, Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk will not be presented this evening. Yeah, and Lou Ferrigno had every right to be pissed that the Hulk was not on TV that night. Yeah. <laughs> For, in place of this. I think a lot of people were after they watched this. Yeah. Yeah. Now it says the plot strings together a series of musical numbers, celebrity cam- cameos, and other variety show acts. I don't know what we were watching, but that was not what we watched. I didn't see that. I didn't see musical numbers. We saw Jefferson... Starship holograms, <laughs> and I don't even know what song that was, but no, the song was either. bad. We yeah. did fast forward, I'm sorry, through some of it. <laughs> I'm not sorry, we didn't fast forward fast enough, yeah. And then there is a cartoon in the middle, oh, yeah, forgot about that little tidbit. And I, th- I and I think it's at towards the end, too, but yep. it's it might the, have actually been the best part. It's actually the debut of yep. Boba Fett, yeah. It says original music was composed for the Star Wars holiday special by Ken and. Mitzi Welch. The music was, I thought, a little overbearing. Of course, this is, someone recorded this off of TV. It's from Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. (laughs) 
channel seven. So you're not going to get really good sound on this. And it says it features four songs. Sure. Yeah. And the song by Jefferson Starship was Light the Sky on Fire. Okay. Yeah, they could have put some Christmas songs in there. This Uh, had nothing to do with Christmas. Oh, we missed, uh, we must have missed B. Arthur singing. Oh, yeah. There was a whole scene uh, at a bar at the cantina. Yeah. And B. Arthur was the um, bar maid or the, you know, bartender. Bartender. There you go. And uh, Harvey Corman comes in, and there's all the creatures from the cantina. But we kind of fast forward, and it seemed like it went on for. Well, that was an awkward half conversation because an he, yeah. he wasn't making any sense whatsoever about <laughs> what he was talking about. <clears throat> Here's a critic uh, critical response: uh, Star Wars Holiday Special was universally lambasted by critics, audiences, and Star Wars fans alike. I'm just wondering what kids thought of this because. Pretty boring to me. I probably as a kid, I don't know, maybe I would have thought it was amusing. Like, I probably would have thought the Wookiees were amusing and the other stuff wasn't. This would not have held my attention as a kid. I'm talking about being like eight or 10 or or maybe even younger. Yeah, no, I hear you. Just so Jerry Buck in November 78 review for the Associated Press called the program Bubblegum for the Brain. Nathan Rabin of the AV Club wrote, I'm not convinced the special wasn't ultimately written and directed by a sentient bag of cocaine. Oh, God. (laughs) Okay. When we were watching this, we were thinking that drugs should be involved. If you were going to watch this. Definitely um, seemed like it. uh, Or heavy drinking. Something needed to be involved to watch this movie. Now, the author of What Were They Thinking? The 100... Dumbest events in television history ranked the holiday special at number one, <laughs> calling it the worst two hours of television ever. There you go. George Lucas, we said, didn't have any significant involvement with the film's production and was reportedly unhappy with the results. <laughs> it's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> he said in 80, 1987, I believe it will be released on videotape. I'm not sure if they're going to rerun it on television or not. In May 2005 interview, he was asked if the film had soured on him on working in television. He said the special from 1978 really didn't have much to do with us, you know. I can't remember what network it was on, (laughs) but it was a thing that they did. We kind of let them do it. It was done by, I can't remember who the group was, but they were variety TV guys. We let them use the characters and stuff, and that probably wasn't the smartest thing to do. But you learn from those experiences. And in 2006, Harrison Ford made an appearance on Late Night with Conan O'Brien. And he jokingly did not even acknowledge its existence at first when asked about it. Mm. Then saying that he had never seen it. And I think Conan plays like a bit bit of it. I don't think he even wanted to talk about it. And then on a 2010 television program, Times Talk, New York Times columnist David Carr asked Carrie Fisher about the special. She said that she made Lucas give her a copy of the special in exchange for recording commentary for the Star Wars trilogy so that she would have something for parties when she wanted everyone to leave. (laughs) (laughs) That's what she said. Uh, This is the best. In his 2019 autobiography, Anthony Daniels referred to the special as a turd. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
sums it up. Now, there was one other thing, and it's, I read about the people in the costumes, the Wookiee costumes, mm-hmm. how they had to be given, let's see if I can find it here, they had to be given oxygen. Okay. Because the it was so hot in the suits. Let me see. Oh, this is the other thing. The director of the special, uh-huh. his name was Steve Binder. Okay. And he's mostly well known for the Elvis Presley 68 comeback special. Mm. <laughs> no comparison. So he said that he did actually enjoy his time on the project, explaining, I had a great time shooting it. I got to work with all of the cast of the original, and we had a crack A-plus television crew on the show. But it says, as true as that may be, he was concerned about the Wookiee scene before shooting ever began. The entire scene is done in Shrewook. I guess that's the town, the Wookiee town. Mm-hmm. Steve Binder said of shooting that scene, um, or before he even shot, he said, you know, when I saw the script and I saw the first 10 minutes or longer with the Chewbacca family and just subtitles, I guess they originally they were going to use subtitles. Mm-hmm. He said, uh-oh, we're going to be in trouble. So there's... Giant, the suits were hot, difficult to breathe in. Uh, he said the Chewbacca's themselves had to take oxygen every hour on the hour. I think we had to shut down every hour for at least 10 or 15 minutes so they could get oxygen. Jeez. The actress, who was a little person of a Chewbacca family, came in weighing about 60 pounds. I think she left weighing about 40. <laughs> Jeez. So I guess that sums it up for the... <laughs> Something we'll never watch again. Negative eight stars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, we're going to talk about the album, which we just listened to. That was actually Christmassy, at least. Christmas in the Stars. It's actually a Christmas album. Okay, so the album was released November 1980. Um, This is something that you can't find on Apple Music. I'm not sure about Spotify. And the thing is, it's it's not like it's a a bad album. I mean, if you're a fan of Star Wars or you just like different kind of, you know, holiday music might be something to listen to. I did get the album. It's not real pricey. I paid 40 bucks for it. I mean, yeah. for the original. It's never been, I think, remastered or anything. <laughs> it was by RSO Records, and they're all Star Wars-themed Christmas songs. Most of the songs, um, Jeremy and I noticed uh, oh. Anthony Daniels is narrating yep. before anyone even sings. He does sing on one song. Bells, was it the Bells Bells song? I don't remember. I think it was the Bells Bells song. Yeah, might have. Yeah, might have been. The one I really, I think we both like was The Odds Against Christmas, and we're not sure who's singing it. To me, it sounds like kind of maybe someone who was in a 60s band, or because mm-hmm. we, have, we have Anthony Daniels, we have Maury Yeston, I looked him up, and I think he is a, uh, I want to say he's a Broadway guy. One of, one of these two is a Broadway guy, or Rod McBrien, and then we have John Bongiovi. Who is John Bon Jovi? Of course, John Bon Jovi. That's right. 
This was John Bon Jovi's first recording. <laughs> Unless he did demos before this, but first official recording, R2-D2, We Wish You a Merry Christmas. This is, um, what did I say, 1980? This is only, we just did, what, 84? Yep. So it's only four years before, like, Runaway. So then he wasn't 10. No, he wasn't 10. He was a teenager. <laughs> well, there's kids on it, which, right. and then the person singing is him. And he doesn't have his, like, rock and roll voice. Yet. No, not at all. No, so, it's, and I think you can, if you go on uh, YouTube, of course, R2-D2, We Wish You a Merry Christmas, look it up. That's Bon Jovi singing. A lot of these songs are decent, I mean, except a couple. Of, oh, and then there's another guy. It's got to be either um, Maury or Rod that sound kind of like Weird Al. <laughs> yep. And it's... You know, what can you get a Wookiee for Christmas? I forget the other song. It might be the last song, The Meaning of Christmas. Then we got uh, Twas the Night Before Christmas. Anthony Daniels is doing that one. But the album's a lot, of course, a lot better than the movie. So I have here most of the album is sung and narrated by Anthony Daniels and written by composer, lyricist Maury Yeston, sound designer Ben Burt, also provided sound effects for R2-D2 and Chewbacca. Uh, the album was produced by Mecca Monardo, and who had previously, there is another Star Wars album out there called Star Wars and Other Galactic, Galactic Funk. Hmm. And he was hoping that this would be the first in a series of annual Star Wars Christmas albums. So the title, the story, and the majority of the album's original songs, both music and lyrics, were written by Mari Yeston, he was then a Yale University music professor who went on to become the twice, here we go, Tony award-winning Broadway musical composer of Nine, Titanic, and Grand Hotel. And then one of the songs, What Can You Get a Wookiee for Christmas, when he already ha owns a comb. <laughs> Actually, the vocals on that are Yeston. So that's the guy that sounds like Weird Al. <laughs> and it says it went on to become a reoccurring top 40 Christmas hit. I've never heard it before. <laughs> I never. <laughs> <laughs> that one was tolerable. I mean, it wasn't bad, but I've never heard it prior. And it was targeted for the young audience. Yeston's own son was seven. At I the feel time. like I feel like the album was targeted towards kids. Yeah. It felt very like Alvin and the Chipmunks mm -hmm. kind of feel to me, anyway. It's still a fun. It's a fun album. Yeah, I do have Alvin and the Chipmunks album. Nothing know. wrong with the Alvin <laughs> and the Chipmunks album. <laughs> So Bon Jovi's cousin, Tony Bon Jovi, co-produced the album. So that's how he got John in there. Mm. He ran the recording studio where it was recorded. Um, and John worked there sweeping floors at the time. Nice. <laughs> Everybody's got to start somewhere. So after the first printing of 150,000 copies, Mecca was asked to include George Lucas's name credited beside his under concept by... And due to the success of the album, the studios were ready to do a second printing, which would give Lucas credit. But before the second pressing was done, RSO Records shut down due to an unrelated lawsuit. Ooh. So that never came to be. This was released on LP and cassette, of course, in November 1980. It says to cash in on the increasingly, increasingly popular Star Wars. Uh, the original printing for the cover... Uh, was by Star Wars production artist Ralphie McQuarrie. 
and the cassette is actually quite rare and hard to come by. Now, this album was one of the music industry's first non-classical or jazz projects to be recorded and mixed digitally. Digitally. (laughs) Digitally. (laughs) And What Can You Get a Wookiee for Christmas reached number 69 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Nice. Um, And it was the only... Only the third digitally recorded single in Billboard's chart history. So, I don't know if you add anything. I think that pretty much wraps up. I know we talked more about other stuff than <laughs> than the movie. Uh, I had the movie on the... Well, I had the audio on the spe- my speaker, just my front speaker for my surround, and maybe that's what gave me a headache. Uh, <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening, and um, hope you have a nice holiday i'm not really doing anything we normally go to north carolina my father-in-law is coming up here i don't know if jeremy's got any christmas plans not specifically got an autograph show next weekend yep that'll be done by the time this posts yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) but there'll be another one coming up in edison so Mm -hmm. okay so thanks everyone for listening And remember to turn off the TV. And turn up the music. Thanks for listening. And you'll hear us again soon. The Empire just imposed a curfew on this planet. Everybody has to leave right now. You've been listening to No Good Music, intro and exit music by the band 99%. Today's show is produced and edited by Rob J. Lilly and recorded at the Did You Say 7 Studios in Washington, New Jersey. You can find No Good Music on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Pandora, and almost anywhere you listen to podcasts. 